When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 316, and today we are talking about books being released on June 22nd, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia LZ Tuttle, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Liberty! What's up? Um, well, it started getting hot here. Yeah? Is that good? In Oakland? No, I I hate the heat. I melt. Oh, but you live in California. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But, like, I live in the Bay Area, so it's supposed to always be, like, 76. (laughs) Just mild, sometimes foggy. But the other day, it was, like, 97 degrees. And because it's always mild weather here, we don't have air conditioning. Oh, yeah, that's not really a thing that is in places here. So thankfully, <laughs> my apartment is on the first floor and we are kind of like in the middle and almost like below ground in some ways. So we call it our little mushroom cave because it's always just okay. like dark. It's always just like dark and cool. I'm in picturing here. like a hobbit house now. <laughs> That would be amazing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, like, it stays fairly dark and cool in our apartment, but I was a clown, and I went out for a walk the other day, and I just about died. But. (laughs) Yeah. We have, like, all weather here in Maine. It's, like, hot, cold, windy, snowy, you name it. And you have humidity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't It's so hot in my office right now. I am getting an air conditioning unit. Very soon, though, which is exciting. I mean, I won't be able to run it while I'm recording, but I'll be able to run it right up until we start recording, and then it won't be so warm in here. Nice. I've needed one for a long time, and it's just a matter of getting the AC fixed uh, in our rental next door, because, of course, that had to go and break at the beginning of the summer, Um, and so they're using it right now, but when I get it back, it's going to be so good. (laughs) So cold. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so we covered the weather and heat. Um, so we should probably talk about cats now. Cats are usually a thing that, that we discuss. I love hearing about your cats. I know I've been looking at pictures of kittens for adoption. And, <gasps> like, I can't, like, I can't, I can't, but I will definitely uh. window shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, there's one actually in the office here with me right now. Because I moved some stuff around in my office, and so they figured out this spot that I can't really reach them without, record, like, getting a lot of stuff to climb up onto and, like, grab them. So I've just been leaving them up there when I record. But sometimes they like to get down and yell and carry on and be like, open the door right now. I don't care about your podcast. So <laughs> I might have to stop in the middle if he starts acting out. One of them also 
chewed one of the stickers off my wall. Like, I, uh, if you've seen pictures of my office on oh, Instagram, yeah. I have stickers everywhere. <laughs> and I have this big sticker that says, Mulder, it's me, you know, because X-Files. I love the X-Files. Mm-hmm. And Farouk chewed the word it's off the wall. So now it just says Mulder me, which sounds like... <laughs> A little naughty, like if you really like David Duchovny. But also, it's like this big blank spot on the wall now where the it's used to be. I'm like, really? He's like, I don't care. I don't care about anything. Yeah. So he's not allowed to stay in my office on his own anymore because he likes to pull stickers off the wall, which is bad, really bad. Which is bad because you have hundreds of stickers on the wall. Yeah, I, I wallpapered my whole office with stickers. But I love them. It's fun. People are like, what are you going to do when you get tired of them? I was like, Psh, shut your mouth. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Never. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, So we're going to talk about books today. We have a, a shorter bunch of recommendations because we tried a lot. <laughs> we, we really did. We, yeah, I definitely <laughs> read more than I uh, am going to talk about. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes things just aren't for us. Yeah. Uh, But before we do that, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eilin for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series. Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so Patricia, you're going to kick it off today. Absolutely. The first pick I have is Blackout by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. The authors that pulled together for this book are phenomenal. 
It is a young adult romance short story collection of interconnected stories. The premise is that it's early summer in New York and it's already very, very hot. There's a citywide blackout that simultaneously ruins a bunch of plans and brings a few unexpected couples together. There are six authors and six stories. However, one story is broken up into multiple parts. That story is The Long Walk by Tiffany D. Jackson. The Long Walk begins the book and then it has basically like an installment or chapter every other chapter. So it's like part of The Long Walk and then a story by someone else and then another part of The Long Walk and then a story by someone else and so forth. The Long Walk starts with Tammy, who is in Harlem, turning in her paperwork for a summer internship. Her ex, Kareem, shows up for the same internship. There is confusion, but then they're plunged into darkness because of the citywide blackout. They're told to just go home and return on Monday to sort things out. Since there's a blackout, there are no trains. And Kareem has some money, but his phone is dying. Tammy has a phone with plenty of battery life, but no money. So they need each other and they start begrudgingly walking toward home all the way in Brooklyn from Harlem. Kareem apparently has a block party to get to. Another story titled Mask Off by Nick Stone is a queer romance that takes place through some flashbacks and during the present blackout where our protagonists, Tremaine and JJ, are stuck underground on a subway train that has stopped. These two boys are also on their way to a block party in Brooklyn. JJ is on the basketball team and is definitely not out as queer, which Tremaine is very much the opposite. Made to Fit by Ashley Woodfolk was maybe my favorite, and yeah, I'm biased, because it's also a queer romance between two girls. One of the girls, Nella, is in a senior living home visiting her grandfather. The blackout happens, and all the residents are in the common area playing cards. Suddenly, in walks in one of the most beautiful girls Nella has ever seen. This girl is Joss, and she has a therapy dog named Ziggy that she usually brings to the home on Tuesdays. Shenanigans commence. Danielle Clayton has a really fun story that takes place trespassing in the library during the blackout. Angie Thomas's story takes place on a double-decker tour bus, and Nicola Yoon's story starts in a rideshare. I love the mix of straight and queer romances for all these Black characters because there still isn't enough of this in YA. Each time I learned how the characters in the stories are connected to each other, it felt like a little surprise gift. I absolutely adored this book. It's Blackout by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. All right. I am excited to read that. I'll have to put that at the top. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. I have a book of stories for my first pick today. Ooh. It is Filthy Animals by Brandon Taylor. I can't believe this is already out. I feel like we were just all getting really excited about this. Uh, and his novel Real Life had just come out, and now it's been over a year since that came out. It was nominated for, I think, roughly a zillion awards, uh, including like the Man Booker and I was it on the National Book Award long list? I can't remember, but it's such a good novel, real life. But this is an equally wonderful book. It's a collection of stories. There are 11 stories. Some of them are linked 
They are powerfully moving and also distressing because they seem to be accurate descriptions of life. Like, they're accurate portrayals of real life, which is, you know, really upsetting sometimes and sometimes really amazing. They are set in the Midwest, and they all feature this emotionally charged group of young adults. And his writing is just spectacular. I mean, I don't even have the words to describe his words. You know, his writing is so concise. It's like it cuts you and you don't even know it's happened until later. I mean, it's so perfect and it seems like there's no extra words at all. And it's just amazing. There's one story about a young man who has recently left a facility after attempting to die by suicide. He's trying to sort out his life and he attends a party where he hits it off with two of the guests. Um, His name is Lionel, and he will appear in other stories later uh, as this trio's relationship changes over time. There's one about the group dynamics amid a group of dancers, uh, which involves one of the characters from the party story. There's a very stressful story of a young woman who is babysitting while trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life and, and sort out something that she has just done while the child runs amok. There's one about a young woman who is fighting cancer and trying to find a connection with her grandfather who she is staying with while she is sick. There's one about a group of teenagers hanging out at night and it ends in violence. There's one about the crueness in a relationship. These are, I try not to use this word very often when I'm talking about books, but I think it applies here. These are very raw stories. They're raw and severe, both in content and accuracy. These are aching, wounded characters most of them, and they're trying to make sense of their desires and their places in the world and overcome trauma, they'll break your heart. I mean, they're so moving and just incredible. Uh, I want to give content warnings for mentions of terminal illness, death, violence, domestic abuse, self-harm, and suicide. Brandon Taylor is an incredible writer. He is so young. I feel like we are going to see so many more amazing things from him. That is Filthy Animals Stories by Brandon Taylor. For my next pick, I have Wake, The Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts by Rebecca Hall, illustrated by Hugo Martinez. This graphic novel came out at the beginning of June. It's not fully fiction, but it's also not completely nonfiction either. It is a graphic novel slash graphic memoir hybrid. Rebecca Hall is a scholar, activist, and educator, and a former lawyer. Wake follows Rebecca as she researches slave revolts, specifically those led by women. Until I read this book, I had no idea that slave revolts were so frequent. I am unsurprised I didn't know this, given the way history is taught and not taught here in the U.S., While instances of slave revolts can be found by digging around, most of the information is about the men involved and very little about the women. Honestly, I learned more about the transatlantic slave trade from this book than I did during school. The depths of depravity are astounding, and I am both haunted and disgusted by the things I've learned more than I already was. At the same time, it's also a great story about researching history and being able to read between the lines and piece together the things that are left unsaid to get a more full picture of what may have happened. 
So aside from memoir of Rebecca doing her research, this book also includes dramatizations of such stories as imagined by the author who is trying to fill in the gaps. The artwork is completely in black and white, which I think in some ways helps to keep readers from being overwhelmed by the imagery, which includes a lot of violence, enslaved Africans on ships, and more. In the interwoven memoir, we also learn about the present-day barriers keeping academics like Rebecca Hall from unearthing this history. The bureaucratic red tape that makes accessing archives and records sometimes impossible. For example, Lloyd's of London is a huge insurance provider that still exists today, which laid the groundwork for its empire by insuring slave ships. You can imagine how they feel about people accessing their archives with slave ship details. This book is pretty intense, but I think it's also very important. Like I said, I learned so much through this short volume, and it's been important in filling in my mental gaps around Black history. It's Wake, the Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts by Rebecca Hall, illustrated by Hugo Martinez. I also have that one around here somewhere to read, so I'll move that up in the stack. Is that That's like something I think I say between every <laughs> recommendation on every show. I'm like, oh yeah, have that. Gonna read it soon. <laughs> People leave in the reviews and write in. They're like, I've added so many books to my TBR listening to your show. I'm like, at the end of every recording, I end up adding like more books <laughs> to my TBR. Like, I'll make notes and then I'll be like, why did I write this title down? I'm like, oh, yeah, because we were talking about it on the show and I need to go find it. But then there's like 10 books that I need to go find in my house somewhere. <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, and then I just lay on the floor. <laughs> So my next pick, <laughs> I'm already laughing because it's so banana pants. Just so I need everyone to just prepare themselves now before I start talking about it because it is banana pants. It is Star Eater by Kristen Hall. And I hate saying this, but I think that you all understand what I mean when I say this book is not for everyone. It's, I don't even know how to start explaining it. It's complete WTFery. I mean, just, it's a sci-fi horror novel that involves cannibalism and nuns. And so some of the things that I am going to mention uh, might be mildly stomach-turning for some people, so I just want to give you a heads up now. It is set on Adrium, which is a world that is kind of like a floating island in the sky was part of a planet, but then the Star Eater, who literally ate a star to get powers, lifted Atrium up off this planet, and it's where these nuns live, and they all worship the Star Eater, and I, I'm already lost in trying to explain it, but just hang in there with me. The main character in this book is Alfreda. Alfreda is one of those nuns, and by nuns I mean one of those cannibal nuns, these nuns have a special power. It is the power of lace. Like, think if Spider-Man was a cannibal nun. It's like a, a web that they can throw out uh, and use to their benefits, like hold things in place. And they get this power by eating the flesh of the martyred, who are also nuns, usually relatives. They live in a special 
building on this planet uh, where you go to dine. Like I said, it's it's really it's really something. And right now there are some zombies loose in Atrium. They're called the Haunted. It is a side effect of coming in contact with the nuns. The nuns with these special powers create these zombies, and it's it's just something that they have to deal with. You know, they're trying to get them off off the island country. And Alfreda is not entirely happy with her lot in life. She's not super thrilled about being a cannibal nun. She's been having these visions that are very realistic. Like she can she can feel them. She can feel like the energy that they left on her. Um, she's dealing with loss. She lost her mother to martyrdom. Her mother is now one of the, the nuns in that special building where people go to eat. And Alfreda wants to stay in the city, but she's been offered a position at the Moon Palace outside the city. And she's not really on board with the nuns' politics and their religion. And so she eventually agrees to be a spy because everyone in this world has an agenda. There's a lot of political intrigue and there's so much yuck, (laughs) but also so much yay because it's just banana pants. Also, this is what really sold to me on this book. I know you're thinking like, but what could be more exciting than cannibal nuns? Um, Giant house cats that you can ride. Like, I heard about this book. They're like, there are giant cats that they ride. They're like tiger size, but they're domestic cats and they can understand what you're saying. And I was like, I'm, I'm all for that. I would like one now, please. Which I'm just kidding. I can't even control the little ones that I have, but it's so wild. And I'm just gonna say like, if you don't ask too many questions about what is going on and kind of just sit back and let it happen and go, what? Uh, This book is a lot of fun. I want to give content warnings for mentions of sexual assault, animal death, cannibalism, gore is a given, violence, and death. It is Star Eater by Kirsten Hall. I had to mute my microphone while you were sharing all that because I just kept laughing. (laughs) Like, it's so... I love a good WTF book um, sometimes. Yeah, it really is. uh, Now, as we were just talking earlier, I'm like, I have to add that to my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big book. It's a lot. Like it's a huge fantasy book. And I was so excited to read it because, you know, giant cats plus cannibalism. Like, yay. Totally. It's like, is this publisher trying to seduce me? (laughs) You know, could this book be any more made for me? (laughs) So for my, this is my last pick for um, new books. And this is Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance by Jessamine Stanley. Full disclosure, I am not a yoga practitioner. Historically, I am very yoga averse. Specifically, I have a strong aversion to American yoga from the cultural appropriation to the connection to the wellness industry. It's all been a real turnoff for me. However... After reading this book, which was both an informative and cathartic experience, I might actually try yoga again, which, yes, I've tried it in the past. It was in Berkeley. Not great. That is how remarkable this book is. I want to start with the title of this book, Yoke, Y-O-K-E. According to Stanley, yoga 
means to yoke, as in to join together. Lightness and darkness, good and bad. She says to yoke is to marry breath, thought, and movement to connect the body, mind, and spirit. It's about balance. She writes about her imposter syndrome and the necessity of embracing those fears instead of shying away from them. As is often said, you can't have lightness without darkness. She talks about giving herself permission to take up space and giving herself permission to not know everything. The way Jessamine Stanley writes about poses and breathwork really connected to me in a way that it hasn't in the past. She talks about the yoga of everyday life. Yoga as a thing that you don't only do in a studio or on a mat. Yoga is the daily project of living. Yes, the author does a lot of teaching through this book, but all the teachings are connected to stories of her own learning. It is both educational and a memoir. I do want to mention that she talks about fasting, so if that's a trigger for you, know that it's discussed in this book. She talks about her tarot cards and crystals and astrology, which is also usually a turnoff for me, but how she writes about it, her candidness and openness helps me to view these things more positively in the context of this book. The parts of this book that were my favorite were her examinations of the American yoga industrial complex, the whiteness of American yoga and the cultural appropriation, which is so prevalent in American yoga. She gets very real about her own participation in capitalism and cultural appropriation. And I think that's finally what convinced me to take down some of my walls I had up that were keeping yoga at bay. I enjoyed this book way more than I expected, and I highly recommend it. It's Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance by Jessamine Stanley. And before I talk about my last pick today, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international best-selling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and Series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsey Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tom and Series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tear jerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, black resistance, and the enduring power of family. 
narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler. The Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Anais Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. Okay. My last pick today is a dark mystery, uh, literally called What's Done in Darkness by Laura McHugh. And Laura McHugh is most recently the author of The Weight of Blood, which is another great mystery that came out a few years ago. I know a lot of you really enjoyed it. This one is excellent. It's about a woman named Sarah Beth. It takes place in two parts, uh, when Sarah Beth is a teenager and then five years later. Uh, when Sarah Beth was a teenager, when she was 17, she was living in Arkansas uh, with her sister and her parents. Her parents, a few years earlier, found God, they told her, and they changed everything about their lives. They became very strict. Uh, everything that Sarah Beth knew up until that point was taken away from her. She wasn't allowed to have hardly any possessions. She wasn't allowed to watch TV anymore. She wasn't allowed to listen to music, read any books. Their house has become a place of worship, and her parents became very, very, very strict. And she lost everything that she knew. And she started to rebel a little bit. She was she was not happy about this. And now, like, in this new community, they expect her to get married as a teenager. They've picked out her husband. And she's she's unhappy about this. And then she's kidnapped. She's kidnapped. And several days later, she's released. And no one saw her abduction. And no one saw her being released. And they don't believe that it happened. They think that she's making it up because she wants attention. Because she's unhappy with with the choices that her her parents have made. So this is really hard for her. And she she gets away from her family. She moves away. Like, she, she can't be a part of this anymore. Now, years later, it's five years have, have gone by, and she gets a call uh, from this police officer who tells her that there is a girl missing in the area where she grew up, and he thinks it's connected to what happened to Sarah Beth. Like, and she's amazed because nobody believed her. The police were like, whatever. And so she, she can't believe someone's actually reaching out to her about this. But also, she hears from her younger sister, who is still a teenager, that she's getting married. Like, her parents have picked out a husband for her, and, and she's going to get married. And she wants Sarah Beth to come to the wedding. You know, and this is very hard for Sarah Beth because, you know, she feels like her family turned, you know, their backs on her. And, but she's also worried about her sister, but she also wants to help this police officer. She wants to, and she because wa she wants to know what happened to her. Like, is this connected? Like, like what, what happened to her? So she travels back to the town, this little town in, in Arkansas where she grew up, determined to find out the truth. And also because she kind of wants to stop the wedding because her sister is a young teenager and she doesn't think, you know, that this is something that she, that she really wants. Uh, and also she wants to prove to herself that she made the right decisions by leaving, you know, because she, you know, she realizes that just because you're related to someone doesn't mean that you owe them anything or that you have to do what they say or or take any, you know, abuse that they might give you. So I think it's going to, it doesn't sound the same, but I think it's a really good comp if you just finish watching Mayor of Easttown because it's a really well-written, dark mystery with family at the heart and like all these difficult decisions 
involving relations. Um, and it, I just thought it was excellent. Uh, so that is What's Done in Darkness by Laura McHugh. And Patricia, I thought I would change it up a little bit today. Yeah. Because there's always so many amazing books coming out. Oh, before I, I mention that, I do. I did want to mention one more thing today because I think people will be excited to know in case they miss this because I feel like it hasn't been getting enough publicity. The not-related sequel to The Goblin Emperor is out today. The Goblin Emperor, amazing fantasy novel by Catherine Addison. Uh, there is, they're calling it a standalone sequel, uh, which is seems strange, but okay. It's called The Witness <laughs> for the Dead, and it's somewhat related. Set in the, I haven't read it yet, um, but I'm very excited about it, so I thought I would tell everyone, because I know that The Goblin Emperor is a much-loved book. So, um, And talking more about books that we are excited to read, uh, Patricia, what books or book are you most excited to read that's coming up that you that you still haven't read yet? There are a few. Well, this first one I'm going to talk about, I totally read. I got a PDF of it, but I am ex- like, I just want to read it over and over. It's Squad by Maggie Takuda Hall, illustrated by Lisa Sterl, and it's a graphic novel. It comes out October 5th, and it is it is hyper local to where I live. There are a lot of imagery in this book where I'm like, oh, yeah, I drive by that or, oh, yeah, I've walked around in that cemetery. And it is sci-fi fantasy, a little bit of horror and it takes place in uh, like in Piedmont and Oakland. So Piedmont is a small town that is in the middle of Oakland. So it's like there's the city of Piedmont and then it's surrounded by Oakland. And Piedmont itself is super bougie. The homes here are like two and a half to five million dollar homes. Um, and it is, it is everything that you would imagine about a place that the homes are worth five million dollars. And so the uh, protagonist like moves to Piedmont and like going to high school there. Uh, but like I said, there's definitely like horror and fantasy. And it's just, I love reading things set in my neighborhood. And I also love this author who also wrote The Mermaid, The Witch in the Sea. And I am super excited for everyone to have access to this graphic novel. Another one I haven't read yet, but I have it. It's a little novella. It's a spindle splintered by Alex E. Harrow, which I loved the 10,000 Doors of January. I loved the Once in Future Witches. And I'm really excited to read this novella. And that's also out on October 5th. October 5th seems like a good day for for books. And finally, I also recently got an arc of Yours Cruelly, Elvira by Cassandra Peterson, which comes out September 21st. And yes, it is. It's an Elvira memoir, which is just everything I want in the world honestly. And I'm really excited to read that. How about you, Liberty? Well, I mean, Elvira, she, Cassandra Peterson is such an interesting person. Totally. She, I mean, she's had a really interesting life. Um, I recently watched her movie. I had never seen the Elvira movie, so I watched it. And then I read like a whole bunch online about her. And she's just so interesting. I love The Spindle Splintered, which is 
is a sort of Sleeping Beauty retelling, mm-hmm. kind of, sort of, and that's really fun. And I completely get, you know, being excited, like, reading a book that takes place where you live because I live in Maine, and there are a lot of books that are set in Maine, but I actually read a horror book recently where the character drove, like, right past my house. And I was like, yeah, that's my house. That's so exciting. Also, I love that so many horror books are set in Maine because it's a scary place. But, yeah, so I'm excited about everything that you just discussed. And I'm also really excited to read Noor by Nettie Okorafor, which was just announced recently. I was just thinking the other day that I wanted to read the Binti series over again. I Mm. loved that series. And I loved Remote Control, which was a book that came out last year, which was really fun. Um, And then uh, (laughs) this is a very, this is my wheelhouse, but for a much smaller audience, I'm sure. I'm excited to read Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics by Dan Shaughnessy. Dan Shaughnessy is an award-winning reporter for the Boston Globe, and this is about the Celtics, the Boston Celtics in the time of Larry Bird, which, as I've mentioned before, he is like my hero obsession. You know, I watch Larry Bird videos to relax, like highlight reels. So I'm, I've just been bothering the publicist for this for like a year now. I'm like, any news? Any news? She doesn't even respond anymore because I'm so annoying. I was <laughs> just like, what is wrong with this woman? <laughs> so I grew up weirdly, like I grew up here in the San Francisco Bay Area, but my grandmother, who was also born and raised in San Francisco, was a huge Boston Celtics fan. So Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, like that, like I grew up watching all the Celtics games. And my grandmother was a huge Larry Bird fan. And back in the, you know, 80s, early 90s, when starter jackets were a thing, I absolutely had that bright green Celtics starter jacket. (laughs) Amazing. Um, um, And like, like, I have no idea why my grandmother loved the Celtics so much, but we were definitely a Celtics home. Yeah, because you're in Laker country. Basically. Basically, yeah. And uh, well, as in Northern California, so also warrior country. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But all, yeah, down with the Lakers. But yeah, it was just so like your fascination with Larry Bird. Like, I get it. I yeah. get it. And I didn't know this book. I didn't know this book was coming out, but now, now it's on my list too. It's just, it, it's, I don't know. Like, I've never been able to meditate. Like, my brain is just too loud. So when I feel like I'm, like, stressed out, I'll sit down and there's this specific YouTube video that's, like, four minutes of Larry Bird assists. Because he was amazing at assists. He would, like, touch the ball without even looking at it. And the person it went to, would like, you could see the look on their face, like, how did this just get in my hands? Yeah. Because, I mean, it would happen so quickly. Yeah. Like magic. I'll just watch, I'll just watch that video over and over and over again. And it just relaxes me. I'm just like, that's amazing. (laughs) How is that? But I, I always, you know, my husband is really into hockey and I've started watching hockey games with him. And I ask him a million questions about everything except for what's actually happening. I'm like, why is that there? Why do they do that? What happens if this happens? He's like, just ugh, watch the game. And, you know, he tries to answer my questions. But I'm, you know, and so like I watch these basketball games and I'm like, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. And I'm like, I have no idea who just scored, like what the score is or anything. I'm just like so interested in everything else. Like, how did they do that? It's amazing. Mostly because I have no athletic ability whatsoever. <laughs> like whatsoever. 
backtracking a little to Elvira. So a weird little fact. So right now, right now, I don't know. Uh, but there's the Los Angeles Comic Con, right? Mm-hmm. But it originally started as it was a few years ago, but I had gone. It was Elvira and Stan Lee present Kamikaze. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Elvira and Stan Lee got together, like Cassandra Peterson and Stan Lee got together and were like, we're going to have this comic pop culture convention. And so it was Kamikaze for maybe two or three years before it got renamed and revamped into the Los Angeles Comic Convention. But while, especially while it was Kamikaze, there was like... Cassandra Peterson as Elvira was there and like I got to fist bump Stan Lee and he was there and it was just it was such a weird mashup and it was like present day hot topic and a comic shop just vomited all over the Los Angeles (laughs) Convention Center and I was into it I loved it but I mean Los Angeles just one of those quirky things (laughs) i've never been there i would like to go there someday but i've never actually been to los angeles i know a few people who live there it seems like a whole other world you know compared to where i live oh definitely it's it seems pretty cool so that was a fun we we just went down a little pop culture rabbit hole there (laughs) and uh so now what are you going to read next i'm actually working on a few books right now so i started i had hoped to read this for this show but it's dear centerin by akweke amezi and i found it is not a book i can read quickly i kind of have to read a chapter and then set it down for a few days it is a mind-blowing memoir it is just so phenomenal and it's so much to take in but it's so so good and I found I was reading the ebook version on on my e-reader but I just went to the bookshop and like picked up a physical version because I I needed the tactileness of holding this book in my hands it's it's so amazing and of course it's come out already I'm also reading on audiobook Fledgling by Octavia Butler because I've joined an Octavia Butler book club. Um, and this is the first book we're reading. And it's a whole lot of WTF. It is so unnerving. It's Octavia Butler's vampire novel. And another book that also came out earlier this month is She Memes Well by Quinta Brunson. And I am reading that for some levity because it's humor. And the other two books I'm reading right now are a bit, a bit much. How about you? I am in the middle of The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton, which Tears had talked about on the show last week and sounded amazing and absolutely bonkers and i'm here to tell you that it is everything that she said and more it's like a victorian era like adventure romance novel with flying houses and star wars references and it's so bananas uh the new york times the other day said that it the word rollicking was created 
for this book, and they are not wrong. Like, it's it's awesome, and I can't wait to finish it. I'm going to finish it as soon as we're done here. Uh, and the second one is called The League of Gentle Women Witches, and it comes out in March of next year. Uh, and that's I'm going to be bugging the publicist for that every day, too. I'm going to be like, Larry Bird book, Gentle Women Witches book, Larry Bird book, Gentle Women Witches. It's... <laughs> I'm just so excited. But yes, this the Wisteria Society of Ladies Scoundrels is everything that Tirza said and more. So if you're looking for a good time and uh, like I it nothing no genre description fits this book. It's it's everything and just incredible. So Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to add it to my list. Like there Seriously. are just books everywhere. Like you're at least yeah. you're in a house, but we're in a one bedroom apartment and it's just Yeah. There's a lot of books in here. <laughs> I've been there. I used to just line <laughs> line the the walls. I remember one time my landlord came into my apartment. He hadn't been in there in a couple of years, and he came into my apartment to fix something. And he was like, "Oh, look at how you have floor to ceiling books against the walls. That's really smart. That must insulate the place. Like good thinking." I'm like, "Yeah, that's why I did yeah, it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not because I'm out of control. <laughs> no, it was very thoughtfully done. <laughs> yeah." So, all right, this was this was an episode of some wild, wacky, fun stuff. I, I was having a bad day. I've been, I was having a bad day. Thank you for cheering me up, Patricia. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Yeah, it took my mind off things for a while. So, you know, now I'm thinking about cannibal nuns and Elvira, and it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Yep. So that is it for us today, though. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who I can only imagine her listening to this episode going, what? Um, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to talk about Cannibal Nuns or Larry Bird. Uh, you can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram at The Info File. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. And if you'd like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. Thank you to everyone who has done so already. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.